Can you hear me now? Yeah. All right. Good. Good. We're glad to have everybody that's here with us tonight and uh, glad to have you joining with us there on Facebook, on YouTube, on Twitter. Uh, we don't have our person controlling the screen up there, so you'll just see me down in the little box uh, down in the corner, as well as uh, Brother Mike when he comes up uh, to lead us in music. I uh, just want to remind you uh, there to heart, to like, to share, to follow us. Uh, that just helps to get the word out more about our services. And then welcome to those who are on our phone live streaming. Uh, hopefully you're uh, being able to hear things well there tonight, too. If you don't hear things well, uh, please comment there in Facebook, YouTube. We'll try to correct things as we can. Uh, but we're kind of limited with that tonight, so hopefully you're hearing everything. We've got some people who are monitoring things here uh, in the sanctuary for us too. So do be sure to put your prayer requests there on Facebook. That's the place that we'll see those uh, live, so be sure to share those uh, in Facebook. If you have access to our church website, I want to encourage you uh, to go to our church website at highlandbaptistchurch.com. It's under the info tab there. You can download uh, the worship bulletin. Uh, you can work, download the children's worship bulletins. You can send those links to anybody that you want, uh, as well as we have the prayer list uh, that is there. So be sure to get those things downloaded. Uh, download the prayer list. Give us any updates of any that you might have that are on the prayer list. And, and you can even just download a digital copy. You don't have to print that. Uh, so you can just look at it there on your phone, your device uh, that maybe you're even watching us uh, on. So be sure to do that and then share those prayer requests uh, with us also. Uh, and then just a reminder, too, because next month we'll be having our business meeting at the end of the month. Uh, the um, uh, housing agreement form is on there, too, so you can be able to look at that under that info tab. We've not mentioned that in about a month now, but just want to mention that as we get closer to that. So if you've not got your copy of that or if you want a printed copy, we can give you that from the church. But you can download it there under the info tab uh, for the housing agreement uh, that we'll be presenting at the next business meeting. So just wanted to make you aware of that. Brother Mike, I think that's it. So I'll take this to the side and you can leave us. Faithful, far 
third verse. Lord, I would clap thy hand in my nor ever murmur nor repine. Content whatever lot I see, since tis thy hand that leadeth me. He leadeth me, he leadeth me by his own hand, he leadeth me. His faithful follower I would be, for by his hand he leadeth me. And when my task on earth is done, when by thy grace the victory's won, in death cold wave I will not please things God through Jordan leadeth me. He leadeth me, he leadeth me by his own hand, he leadeth me. He is faithful. Sorry, there at first we didn't have uh, Brother Mike's mic on, so let me mute that one and turn mine back on. And that way we won't have to worry with what's on or not. And I can walk away from the podium. All right, let me move this a little bit closer so I can control things there a little better. grab my prayer list <laughs> August 23rd August 23rd okay as you have your prayer list hopefully uh, there online you've been able to get that downloaded and you have that ready uh, taking a look at that if you have any prayer requests as we said go ahead and be sure to comment there on Facebook I don't have that capability where I'm at right here at this moment uh, but uh, someone will let me know if there is a prayer request uh, that's watching here uh, in person so just to kind of give you a few uh, updates of a few here uh, Phil Henderson uh, we've had him on our prayer list uh, for uh, several weeks and getting ready for his knee replacement surgery. He didn't have to have a full replacement, it was just a partial, and he is back at home. They sent him home the very same day, and he's uh, back at home now recovering. Uh, Tracy said he's not complaining too much, I guess being an okay patient at home, so we praise the Lord for that. Uh, we do want to continue to remember Sandra Wells, as she's going to be having her procedure for her kidney stones. Uh, so keep her in your prayer. She's actually got, I think, another test to do uh, on her heart before uh, they confirm that. So just uh, continue to pray for her uh, with that. And then also Leona Ross, we had not had an update for a while, and I don't know if we had shared this last week, but she is not in the hospital anymore. She is recovering at home uh, up in Michigan, and so we praise the Lord for that, but do continue to keep her uh, in your prayers. Carolyn, Carolyn Waller has been having a time to... Uh, with her uh, issues, so just continue to keep her in prayer. She's in a lot of pain, 
And then Brenda Gilbert, that's on our family side, the HBC family side, she was here this past Sunday, but she had broken her arm uh, with a fall, and she reached out to grab herself when she fell and wound up breaking her arm. So uh, keep her in prayer. That's in addition to all the other medical issues that she's been having. Uh, so we want to keep her uh, in our prayers. Uh, I was trying to remember if there were any others that I know of in particular right there. Um, just that we added Tammy Bain uh, last week, so remember her in prayer, uh, and that's the only other one. And actually, I think we have Phil on there twice, so uh, we'll just put him on there once for next week. I any others on the Howland Baptist Church family side there, of those who are here in person, that you could let us know? And if somebody's looking at Facebook, is there any on Facebook? Okay, not at this point. Okay. Well, let's go ahead and look at the friends and family side then, uh, just to let you know about a few that I do know about. Uh, Randy Tatum, who is Ken Tatum's brother, has cancer. And the last I spoke with Ken uh, about a week and a half ago, he said his brother is not doing well at all. And so we do want to continue to remember him as he will progressively continue to get worse and, uh, without the Lord's intervention there. So we just pray for him for that. Uh, continue to pray for Dennis McCullough, who is Samantha's uh, brother-in-law. He had had a stroke. He's about at the level where he's as far as he's going to recover uh, now. So uh, just continue to keep him in prayer, and we'll probably remove him uh, from the prayer list uh, next week as he's doing better. He's at home, but uh, still having some issues, some lingering effects from the uh, stroke that he had. And then uh, we received the update last week that Oliver Nagy was improving, uh, and I assume that's still uh, the case there for Oliver. And then uh, just continue to remember Jake because he's got several procedures upcoming. Laura Hendricks, who is the daughter of Becky Moffat, her surgery went well, and so we praise the Lord for that, but just continue to pray for her as she continues uh, to recover. And then uh, you'll see the rest that are there, uh, Christine Cranford, Janie Town. Uh, who had a stroke, uh, Craig Templeton, J.W. Jackson. Has anybody heard about J.W.? Okay. We had not heard any more either, so I assume he's back home and recovering from his uh, heart attack as they had to uh, do some stints there uh, for his. And then Cody Bain, who is the son of Tammy Bain, uh, who is one of our church members here, uh, she had asked us to put him on the list. And then just as a reminder, last week we added uh, Floyd Prince and Sue Prince uh, to the nursing home list. Floyd is at NHC doing rehab and hopefully will join his wife uh, in the next few weeks or so over at Morning Point if he improves. Um, but that is Myra Patton's mom and dad. Uh, so just wanted to make you aware of that. And, Ms., and then Miss Janet also at MacArthur Manor. And she most of the time listens on our phone live streaming. Uh, so I know she's probably listening tonight. Anybody else that we need to add in person tonight? Any other updates? Okay, so this is Janie Town, uh, who had a stroke, and she was she's the sister of Donna Adcock. Uh, she had been on a vent, uh, a ventilator, and she is off of that. Is the update we're sharing tonight, and she is now at a specialty hospital. We think that's mostly therapy uh, there, but just continue to keep her in prayer as she continues to recover. Anybody else? Any on Facebook? 
Okay. Well, let's go to the Lord in prayer then uh, as we uh, continue with our service tonight and praying for God's Word and praying for our WANA program that's meeting for their training tonight. Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you for who you are and thank you for the many blessings that you've given to us. We thank you for your presence here with us tonight. And we pray, Heavenly Father, that as uh, we come into your presence, we know, Lord, that sometimes there is sin within our lives, Lord. Uh, we just expect that, that we are uh, fallen creatures. We uh, tend towards sin, uh, we, whether it's in our thoughts, our actions, our deeds, or the lack thereof in doing things that you've commanded us to do. And so, Father, we pray that you would forgive us of all of our sins and cleanse us of all of our unrighteousness. We pray, Heavenly Father, that you would uh, just pour out your spirit upon us and fill us, Lord, with your presence to empower us to do the things that you've called us to do. And especially tonight, as we uplift each one of these that we've mentioned and many others that are written on our prayer list, maybe even other unspoken requests that are upon our hearts, we want to uplift all of those to you and ask, Heavenly Father, for your hand to be upon each one of them, divinely intervene in their lives to bring that healing that they need to their bodies. We pray for their caregivers, for their family, for nurses, for doctors who are taking care of many of these individuals, and we ask for you to give them wisdom and discernment and just a, an extra special measure of your mercy and your grace and your blessings upon them. And so, Father, we pray for, for your hand to be upon them also. Uh, Lord, do your mighty work in these people's lives that we might testify of the great and mighty miracles that you are doing. And we just thank you so much, Lord, for hearing our prayers on behalf of so many of these people uh, that we expect, Lord, we know that you're a great and mighty God and you can bring healing. And so we pray that you would. We ask, Heavenly Father, for you to uh, just show yourself and show your power and your glory and your majesty that we might testify to the world even more uh, of your saving grace and your mercy. And so, Father, we ask for you to uh, be with all the other needs that these individuals have. Uh, some of these individuals, Lord, may have lost loved ones, and we pray for your comfort upon their hearts uh, to encourage them and strengthen them during this time. Lord, we pray that you will wrap your loving arms around each one of these and, and make your presence known to them. And Father, we pray that they will sense that you are with them, that you, uh, they are not forgotten, that we care about them and we're uplifting them in prayer to you, but you care even more than we do and you know everything that's going on in their lives and you are there with them. You would give them strength and Father, we pray that you would shower them with grace and mercy and your loving kindness as you bring about all the needs that they have into their hearts and into their lives. So bless each one of these tonight. And bless us tonight, Lord, as we uh, come together tonight. We pray for our Awana leaders who are in training tonight, uh, getting ready for our kickoff for next week for Awana. We pray that we'll have a great year and, and even more kids and families that we're able to reach out to and to share the gospel with and to see become a part of your body uh, as the church continues to grow. Uh, and Father, we know with that comes growing pains and we just pray, God, that you will lead us and guide us through uh, those different occasions that we have. Uh, Father, we pray that you would uh, just bless our WANA program and bless those leaders and those teachers as they prepare and get ready. And may you bless them especially, as well as those children, uh, that the children will hear the word, uh, will learn the word, will memorize the word, and grow in your word uh, each and every week as we progress through the, the weeks of Awana. Uh, Father, we pray for tonight as we come to study again the book of Nahum in chapter 2, and we pray that it'll be powerful and alive for us tonight, that it'll be relevant, we'll see the relevancy for our hearts and our lives. So bless your word tonight in a powerful way. In Jesus' precious name we pray, amen and amen. Uh, let me just say in the way of announcements too to remind you uh, that this coming Sunday, 
we will not be having, some were a little bit confused from the announcement this past Sunday uh, and have spoken to a few people or so, and so we just want to put it out there again. We may even send a call out tomorrow to remind people of that, but we are not having our fifth Sunday dinner this coming Sunday. We are having our fifth Sunday scene Sunday night, but we are not having the dinner Sunday morning. We'll have another time that's coming up uh, very shortly in the next uh, couple of months, and so just be prepared for that when it comes. Uh, that'll just be in a couple more months in, in October there, which is hard to believe that October will be here in a couple more months. We're looking forward to it with all this heat that we've been having, or at least I am. There's some that would love for it to be sunshiny and hot and steamy and warm, <laughs> but I'm looking for some cooled off air. <laughs> so, uh, Sorry for those of you who like that hot, warm air. Turn in your Bibles, if you will, to Nahum, Nahum chapter 2. As we said, we're looking here at uh, this awesome little book here. Uh, in the Old Testament. It's uh, part of the Minor Prophets. Uh, it, it, again, minor not in uh, the message, just minor in the size. Uh, and that's the only reason we call them Minor Prophets as, of, as opposed to the major prophets like Daniel, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, uh, those larger books uh, that, that the prophets wrote. Uh, Nahum is an important prophet. Uh, we talked about him, that he is uh, a, a follower after Jonah, Jonah some 100 and so 100 plus years uh, before uh, Nahum, uh, Jonah had spoken to the city of Nineveh, and they repented, and they turned uh, back to uh, the Lord. And when we came to chapter 1 here in Nahum, we found out here that's what Jonah, uh, no, Nahum's uh, message is all about. Uh, when you read chapter 2, cha or chapter 1, chapter 1 is kind of a, a, a theology, if you will. He's focused on God and, and the love of God and, and the, the ministry of God, the message of God, and, and God's character himself. Uh, when we come to chapter 2, we're going to see this is more of a military message that he's bringing about, the judgment actually. And that's why I've entitled this tonight, When Judgment Comes. Now, when you read this second chapter here, uh, you have a rather detailed and lengthy discussion of this military invasion uh, that you'll, that'll ultimately bring Nineveh to its knees. And you have to keep in mind that when Nahum wrote these words, all of these things that he's describing had not yet taken place. This is all prophecy. This is going to come to pass in about 612 B.C., uh, quite a while after he gives this message, when the Medes uh, come down uh, and with the Persians and they invade uh, Nineveh, the Assyrians, and overcome the Assyrians. So you start with the Assyrians who've come against uh, the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. Then you have the Medes and the Persians who come. And then after the Medes and the Persians, you have the Babylonians who come. Uh, and that's the ultimate final destruction there of the southern kingdom and the city of Jerusalem. So when you read this chapter and you compare it with history, uh, you'll actually find that uh, what took place, you'll discover that it's absolutely accurate in terms of what Nahum predicts was going to happen to the Ninevites. Now, this message could very well be entitled, When Grace Runs Out. Uh, if you'll remember, Nineveh is famous, as we said, because of the story uh, of Jonah. And in that story, the people repent from the least to the greatest. But not too much later, uh, the people have once again embraced wickedness and rebellion. And this time, God's grace has reached its end. 
And that's the scene that we come into here in Nahum chapter 2 in this short prophecy. God has shown grace, but His grace does have limits. And that's a lesson for us to learn from the book of Nahum. So what happens when grace runs out? Well, as we said in the first chapter of this book, Nahum has given us a theological explanation of God and His judgment as he describes the severity and the goodness of God and his dealings with the nations in general terms uh, in chapter 1. Now he focuses in chapter 2 on the particular illustration uh, of divine judgment here, the destruction of Nineveh, which is the capital city uh, of Assyria. Now if you remember, Assyria has taken the northern kingdom. They've taken the southern kingdom except for the capital, Jerusalem. And then you'll remember that, that uh, God uh, brings uh, an enemy up here to Assyria and they're going to eventually have to go back up there. That's not happened uh, at this point, but it's about to happen here. Uh, and that's the judgment that's coming. Uh, and and it's, it is going to overtake their capital where they weren't able to take the capital uh, of Israel, of Judah uh, there. And so uh, they're going to overcome and destroy Nineveh, the en their enemies are, uh, the capital of this superpower uh, in the 7th century B.C. there. So the first thing we learn here is, is when grace runs out or when judgment comes uh, that the invaders appear. The invaders appear. So look, if you will, at verse 1 down through verse 4. Uh, and I believe we're just going to read a few verses here and then we'll, uh, we'll just read the first verse and then we'll come back to continue on. So it says in the first verse that the scatterer, the, make sure I have, yeah, here we go. The scatterer has come up against you, man the ramparts, watch the road, dress for battle, collect all your strength. So what we find at the very get-go here of this second part in chapter 2 is that God's patience has been tested. God's forgiveness has been wasted. And God's grace has finally run out. But remember, even in the midst of judgment, God is always merciful. If you remember what the prophet Habakkuk says in Habakkuk chapter 3 and verse 2, he says in that verse there, he says, in wrath remember mercy. You see it there at the end of that verse. Uh, in wrath remember mercy. And so every time we see God measuring out his wrath, measuring out his judgment, whether it's on his people or whether it's on uh, ungodly people, there is always mercy and grace. Now, this is the God who answers that prayer uh, continually, that even in the midst of judgment, he retains a people uh, for himself. So Nahum begins this chapter with a call to Nineveh, prepare yourself for the attacker. Now, it's easy to forget here as you read through this, and especially as you start here, that Nahum is writing before the fall of Nineveh. In normal circumstances, the citizens of Nineveh would expect to defend their city uh, without too much difficulty. And so what he says there in verse 1, he says, The scatterer has come up against uh, you, man the ramparts, watch the road, dress for battle, collect all your strength. Uh, that's an that's a awakening call to the guards there, the guards on the wall. That's what he's picturing here. 
here. Uh, the guards who are looking and, and looking to see the invading army uh, getting ready to come to Nineveh. You can almost hear the, the, the sharp commands here as they know the enemy's coming and they turn around in verse 1 and start giving these, these orders to the, to the soldiers. Man the ramparts, watch the road, dress for battle, collect all your strength. Uh, and, and so the Ninevites are saying here, there's an invasion. Now, if you go back to chapter 1, you remember that it was the Ninevites who were saying, oh, there's no way this could ever happen. There's not going to be any invasion on us. We're too powerful. We're too mighty. But now we hear, uh, because they didn't think they could be taken, and yet now here is their army that's ready to invade, and they're calling out commands to make preparations, man the ramparts, watch the road. Now, that would have been sufficient to see off any threat from the enemy for the Assyrians before. But this time, it's different. And so Nahum warns the Assyrians, dress for battle. Uh, don't just uh, man the ramparts and, and don't just watch the road and think that they're going to stop because they see your mighty armies. He says, you need to start dressing for battle. You need to get all the strength together you can. Why? Because notice what the very first part of this verse says. It says there in the very first part that the scatterer has come up against you. So who is the scatterer? Well, first of all, it's referencing uh, the forces of the Babylonians, the Medes, and the Scythians uh, who were to sweep through Mesopotamia and eventually attack and destroy Nineveh in 612 B.C. But it's not just referring to their physical enemies that are coming. It's also referring to the sovereign Lord. He is the ultimate scatterer. He is the warrior king who is coming to judge Nineveh because of their wickedness. So when he says that the scatterer has come up against you, he's ultimately not just talking about Babylon and not just talking about the Medes and not just talking about the Scythians. He's also mostly talking about God. God has come up against you. And so above all the noise, the voice of the Lord is heard as he speaks to Israel and to, and to Judah to assure them that they're going to be restored and reunited. So look, if you will, at verse 2. He says, all this is happening for the Lord is restoring the majesty of who? Of Jacob. So you realize he's talking about Israel and Judah here. He's restoring the majesty of Jacob as the majesty of Israel. For plunderers have plundered them and ruined their branches. Now certainly we're going to see here that Nahum makes it clear that God is the one who's against them. We're going to see that in the very last verse of this chapter when we get there. But he uses, and that God uses other nations uh, in his as his instruments of judgment. That's very clear that Nahum uh, makes that clear in his message. All of this reminds us that although God's message may be blunt and his message may be severe, his goodness may be seen in his patience. In warning those who, who face the certainty of destruction unless they repent. So think about it. God didn't have to warn them, did he? He didn't have to say a word to Assyria. He could have just poof, wiped them out, that been done, end of story. 
But he sends warning to them. He's giving them another opportunity here. He's, he's patient with them. Notice that the people of God in Nahum's day, uh, they had experienced deprivation. They had experienced suffering due to their enemy's occupation and their fighting. That's what verse 2 is saying, uh, to restore them, for they were pl the plunderers have plundered them and ruined their branches. Uh, they, they've just been devastated. Their towns have been destroyed. Their livelihood has been taken away from them because their vines have been uh, ruined, as verse 2 is talking about here. But Nahum has a message of hope for them. The Lord is restoring the majesty of Jacob as the majesty of Israel. And one of the reasons, you remember the Titanic, when the Titanic sank, one of the reasons for that tragic disaster of the Titanic sinking was their failure to heed the warnings uh, about dangerous icebergs. The warnings had been given, but they weren't listen to. Nineveh wasn't without its warnings of the coming destruction. In fact, that's what Jonah had said over a hundred years before. God's judgment is coming if you don't repent. And that would hold true even if they repented and turned to God and then another generation turns away from God. And that was the message that they should have remembered from Jonah. That should have been passed down to the next generation and to the next generation and to the next generation. But you know, so often we don't pass the message and the Word of God down to the generations to come. And that's why we are where we are so often in our societies. And so here is Nineveh that wasn't without its warnings of the coming destruction in our own personal lives. Uh, too often God warns us about the consequences of wrong choices. And he shows us how we can avoid that disaster. He's told us in his word, how can you avoid the coming judgment, the disaster of, of making wrong choices? Psalm 119, verse 9, uh, down through verse uh, 11, says this. And hopefully I don't lose my connection here. Make sure I'm on the right one. Yep. Yeah, it's not advancing on my thing here. So, But let me just read it to you. It's Psalm 119, verse 9, that says, How can a young man keep his way pure by guarding it according to your word? It says, With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. And then that verse that we know so often, uh, Psalm 119, verse 11, that says, I have hid your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. And so there is a way to escape from the retribution of judgment upon our lives. And that is by listening to the Word of God, by reading the Word of God, by obeying the Word of God, and heeding. So understand what heeding means. It doesn't mean just listen. You know, our parents would say to us when we were younger, did you hear what I said? And what did they mean? They didn't mean, did you audibly hear what I said? Everybody knows you audibly heard what I said because I raised my voice when I said it. What they're asking you is, you're going to do what I said, right? You heard what I said and you're going to do it. That's what heeding means, that we hear what God's Word says and we're saying, I'm going to do what God's Word says. That's how we avoid the consequences of wrong actions because it keeps us from making wrong actions to start with. And so all of a sudden, here comes that army laying siege on this city. We find it in verse 3. In verse 3 it says, The shield of his mighty men is red. His soldiers are clothed in scarlet. The chariots come with flashing metal on the day he musters them. The cypress spears are brandished. And so this invading army 
that's coming is a formidable army with its manpower, with its armor, with its weapons, with its chariots. Now, in those days, they tell us that the, Mede, the Medes uh, wore uniforms of red, and their shields were painted red. And so here's a picture of this Mede army uh, coming to the city of Nineveh to overtake it. And they break into the city, as you read in the last part there uh, of verse 3, the chariots come with flashing metal on the day. He musters them. The cypress spears are brandished. And then verse 4 goes on to say that the chariots race madly through the streets. They rush to and fro through the square. They gleam like torches. They dart like lightning. What's he talking about there? He's talking about as they're going back and forth, not only are they dressed in red, but they're beginning to get covered in red by the blood of those that they're destroying, that they're killing uh, here inside the city. So their shields are red with blood. The chariots look like flames of fire uh, as they dash here and there in the streets, and the soldiers find it easy to slaughter those defenseless people because in those days the wheels of those chariots had sharp blades. And when they would invade, they would just mow people down like grass, and they would just keep going over them and over them and over them, uh, spilling their blood everywhere, cutting the people into pieces. And so Nahum sees that in this invasion uh, of, of Nineveh here uh, that we see. So we see the invaders appear, but then secondly we see that the city is captured in verse 5. A city that thought, no way are we ever going to be captured. We're too mighty, we're too great. We're the superpower of this world. Hmm. Think about where we are today. And we think we're the superpower of this world. We're, we're not immune from being overtaken by some other nation, no matter how big we may be uh, or how small uh, that nation may be. That's what we see happening here. So we come to verse 5 down through verse 10, and the description of the attack of the Babylonians and the Medes and the Scythians on the city of Nineveh is so vivid in these verses that some might think that Nahum is an eyewitness to these things, that he's writing after the fall of Nineveh. He's claiming that this is his vision from the Lord. And in this striking language, he describes an attack of soldiers and chariots on Nineveh. They came and they laid siege to the city for about three years. So this isn't a quick battle that happens overnight. This isn't shock and awe. This is something that they're set in, their enemy is set in, and, and they are a formidable place there in Nineveh, and so it's going to take a while to, to overtake them, but they've been laid and surrounded there for about three years. And you come to verse 5, and it says that he remembers his officers, or his officers. They stumble as they go. They hasten to the wall. The siege tower is set up. Now, who's the he that it's talking about in verse 5? It's referring to the king of Assyria who had plotted against the Lord and had plotted against his people. We know from historical records that for three years the city of Nineveh was surrounded. They thought they're impregnable. Uh, he, he gathers his best officers. He gives them orders to protect the wall, but it's too late. This is Nineveh the big, strong, ugly bully on the playground, if you will. This is the proud and haughty enemies of God who were also vicious against those from the surrounding nations. These were the strong people who had risen to the top, uh, but the Bible describes a time when their strength is made weak. In fact, he describes it as they're stumbling around like they're drunks. 
instead of marching like their heroes. The leaders were sure their fortress could never fall, but their defenses proved to be their undoing because they were trusting in the wrong place. Isn't it amazing how God promises that those who are weak but trust in Him will become strong? Now, the Bible promises that, that we who are weak, if we trust in the Lord, He will make us strong. But then those who are strong but oppose the Lord, they will become weak. God can take our human strength and He can turn it upside down, but He can also take our weaknesses and show His strength in spite of our failings. And so then notice the destruction as it goes on in verse 6, uh, that God sent the heavy rains and the floods here. So the river gates are open. The palace melts away. So the rains begin to fall, the floods come, the Kosher River, the Tigris River as we know it today, flowed through the city. Uh, so the invaders, uh, they dammed it up. Uh, and then they released the water uh, so that it destroyed part of the wall because the river went right around the edge uh, of the wall there uh, and destroyed even some of the buildings. It was just a simple thing for the, for the Medes and the Babylonians to enter the city once that happened and to take control. It took some time for them to dam up the river and to flood up the river and the rains that had come and the floods destroyed certain portions of the wall. The water came pouring into the city of Nineveh so that that palace, uh, the palace was inundated with water. Notice verse 7. Verse 7 goes on to say, Its mistress is stripped. She has carried off her, her slave girls, lamenting, moaning like doves, and beating their breasts. Nineveh is like a pool whose waters run away. Halt, halt, they cry, but none turns back. And notice that the Medes, uh, the, they can't take credit for the victory. It was decreed by God that this city would be destroyed, that the inhabitants would be killed or taken captive. That's what verse 7 is talking about. And the invaders uh, were just God's instruments in His hand doing His will. And so exactly what Nahum predicted is exactly what happened and took place when Nineveh was invaded. Uh, you look at the picture of the awful grief of the destruction uh, of the city in verse 9. In verse 9 it says, "'Plunder the silver.'" plunder the gold. There is no end of the treasure or the wealth of all precious things. And so here was Nineveh who had put all their trust in things. They had amassed all of these things. God's revelation to Nahum, the prophet, uh, sees the certain end to their complacency and their arrogancy. It says Nineveh is going to be pillaged. It's going to be plundered. It's going to be stripped. That's what he's talking about here, this woman who's, who's stripped. And look at the reaction of the people when the war hits them and the judgment of God falls upon them. Notice in verse 10 their reaction. Desolate desolation and ruin. Hearts melt and knees tremble. Anguish is in all loins. All faces grow pale. The mighty Assyrians are trembling. Uh, their knees are giving way. It's like their knees are knocking and they're falling out from under them uh, because they're so afraid of what has happened there here. They're terrified is the description that Nahum is giving us, that the people uh, are under siege. Uh, the soldiers line up, the prisoners to march them off to their own lands where they'll become slaves. And Nahum compares that exodus of people to water draining out of a pool. You can't contain it. It just continues to go out. And these soldiers begin looting this wealthy city. 
And the people watch in dismay as anguish is in all loins, all faces grow pale. Nineveh is being treated the way they are because of the way they had treated the nations around them and in particular the nations of God's chosen people of Israel and Judah. And so that leads us to our third point here in this chapter is the captive leaders are taunted in this prophecy. So notice verse 11 and verse 12 here. Notice what God says to them in this prophecy. Where is the lion's den, the feeding place of the young lions, where the lion and the lioness went, where his cubs were with none to disturb? Where is all that? The lion tore, uh, in verse 12, the lion tore enough for his cubs and strangled prey for his lionesses. He filled his caves with prey and his dens with torn flesh. And he's saying, where is all of that? That you thought you had all this strength. You thought you had all this might. So speaking on behalf of God, the prophet here, Nahum, has the last word. As the Assyrian captives are marched away, the leaders and the common citizens and the city treasurers are carried off by their captors. Nahum taunts them through the word of God by contrasting their present situation with their former glory. And he says, where is the lion's den? That's what they, they, they reveled in that. If you study their history uh, of the Assyrians, you'll find uh, in their architecture, you'll see in all the art of the Assyrians, they made use of great lions. Uh, the image of the lion was often used uh, in, in all of that. And so you can even visit uh, Assyrian ruins in any large museum. And one of the things you're always going to see is huge uh, statues of lions. But even more, the Assyrians acted like lions as they had stalked their prey and completely devoured their captives. And so God says to them through Nahum here, where is the lion's den now? Nahum asked as the city is being destroyed, where's all your prey, the treasure you took ruthlessly from others? Uh, lions would normally take to their lair their food for themselves and their cubs, but what we see with the Assyrians is that they had taken way more. They had oppressed city, cities and people. They had taken far more than they needed, and they did it at the cost of human lives. And now God is ta taunting them, and God is saying, where are your lion symbols now, Nineveh? Where is what you trusted in now? And then we read some of the saddest words in the entire Bible. One of the most tragic, heartbreaking, and catastrophic phrases that you'll ever see we find in verse 13 in the first sentence. Behold, I am against you. You don't ever want to hear that from God. Behold, I am against you. Now, of course, we know the verse in Romans 8, 31 that says, if God is for us, who can be against us? So in other words, no matter how much opposition you face, if God is on your side, you will still be victorious. But I believe it's also true as well, if God is against you, it doesn't matter how big, uh, it doesn't matter who is for you. It doesn't matter how big your bank account is. It doesn't matter how many friends you have. It doesn't matter how popular you are. If God is against you, there is no hope. Did God care about them? Absolutely. That's why he sent Jonah to start with, so that they could repent and turn to him. 
And, and he's even offered grace and mercy through Nahum. And Nahum's already answered that question in the opening words of this book. When you go back to, to Nahum chapter uh, 1 and verse 3, Nahum chapter 1 and verse 3 uh, says this, The Lord is what? Slow to anger. He's great in power. And the Lord will by no means clear the guilty. His way is in whirlwind and storm, and the clouds are the dust of his feet. But he's slow to anger. He's merciful. He's gracious, even though he's great in power. You look on down to verse 7 in, in chapter 1. It said, The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble. He knows those who take refuge in him. And so God does care about them. Furthermore, understand that God and His love is not just confined to Israel. If you look in the prophet Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 19 and verse 25, the Bible says this, Blessed be Egypt, my people, and Assyria, the work of my hands, and Israel, my inheritance. That is so confusing to us because we think here's Assyria who is now oppressing Israel, and God says in the book of Isaiah, blessed be Assyria, who is the work of my hands. Blessed be Egypt, who also eventually came against uh, Israel, who had come against Israel before. Blessed be Egypt. And he says, blessed be Israel, who is my inheritance. So again, in the book of Jonah, We've already noted we're, we're given a further glimpse into the heart of God and we see how much he loves Nineveh uh, and how readily he forgave her when she repented after the preaching of Jonah in Jonah chapter 3. God is slow to anger as we've already seen in, in this book in, in Nahum chapter 1 uh, that he's slow to anger. Uh, he's loving. He's patient towards Nineveh and to the Assyrian people. However, Nineveh no longer repented of her sins. And so God could no longer bless her. And so now we come to verse 13, and God is now against her. And he says, I am against you, declares the Lord of hosts. And I will burn your chariots in smoke, and the sword shall devour your young lions. I will cut off your prey from the earth, and the voice of your messengers shall no longer be heard. Wow. It's no wonder the Lord announced, I'm against you. Nineveh had received the just reward of her sins and the crimes she had committed against others. We must never presume on the kindness of God. Just because God has blessed us once, we should never presume he's always going to bless us no matter how I live. It's no wonder that the Lord announces to them, I'm against you. Because over a century before, the Lord had sent Jonah to warn Nineveh. And when the city repented, what did he do? He withdrew his hand of judgment. But now the time was up, and the end had come, and Assyria would be left with no weapons, no leaders, no victories to be announced by their messengers. Instead, Assyria's enemies would hear the voice of their couriers announcing peace because Israel or Assyria had been defeated. Dr. Tony Evans, in closing here, once said this. He said, sinners have a jar. Once the jar is full, it's over. 
Every time a sinner rebels against God, they fill up the jar. When the jar is full, God judges them. He said, seek the Lord while he may be found and before judgment falls when it's too late to seek him. He said, don't try to get right after he's already started passing judgment. And then he gives this illustration that many a child has realized too late that they were headed for a spanking and they tried to avoid the punishment by promising parents, I won't disobey again. I, I won't do it again. That's a little bit too late, ain't it? We have to seek the Lord in his ways before he pulls out the rod of correction to address our sin. Call upon him while he's near. Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts. What is God trying to say to us through this chapter where Nahum has helped us to learn some important lessons from this description of the fall of the superpower of Assyria? He's trying to say this to us tonight as we close. He's trying to say this, God's purpose will be fulfilled in history. However puzzling it may look to us as we look at the circumstances and situations, we wonder how in the world are they getting away with it? Why is the wicked continuing to seem to be prospering? God's actions, even though that may seem puzzling to us sometimes, His history will be fulfilled. We've learned in this chapter that God's people can be restored however much they have suffered, and that God's enemies will be finally destroyed. That's an encouragement to us. However great their strength and their resources might be. And finally, we've learned that God's Word will be vindicated, however arrogant human boasting may be. We've learned that, that the time will come when God will deal with the injustices of the nations. The time will come that those nations that have bullied other nations will be judged. And once more, Nahum is bringing us a message of judgment on evil and hope and restoration for those who put their trust in the Lord. In chapter 1, remember, it was a book of theology. In chapter 2, it's a military book of God's judgment coming, but he closes this book with a message of hope. There's a message of hope for us there too, that there's a way to avoid the consequences of wrong actions. And that's not to commit the actions to start with. And the only way you can do that is to get into God's Word and hide it in your heart that you might not sin against Him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you so much for the blessings that you've given to us. We thank you, Lord, for the forgiveness that you've given us through the blood of Jesus Christ. And Lord, we pray tonight that we have learned here even from Nahum as we're looking forward to the cross of Christ who would come, that there is hope for our lives, that in and of ourselves we cannot rescue ourselves. We can't do enough good to keep ourselves out of sin. We need the power of Jesus Christ and the precious blood of Christ working within us and the Holy Spirit filling us each and every day. So, Father, I pray that we would get more into your word, draw closer to you than ever before, and may we hear your word, not just with the ears, but with the intent to obey your word. So bless us tonight, Lord, uh, as we uh, close here, Lord, as we take your word and we, we use it in our hearts and our lives to help us, uh, Lord, to grow in our walk with you. We pray, Heavenly Father, that you'll bless us as we go forward to be the witnesses that you've called us to be, that our actions will match our words, that we won't say one thing and be doing another. And so we ask for your blessings upon us tonight. In Jesus' precious name we pray, amen. 
Well, thank you so much for joining with us uh, tonight and being here uh, online, whether you're there on Facebook or YouTube or Twitter, any of those. Uh, well, glad, thank you for being here. We'll be back this coming Sunday uh, at 9.15 for Sunday school, 10.30 for worship. We'll be online uh, there at 10.30, so come and join us if you, if you can't be here in person. We look forward to seeing you then. You have a blessed week, a safe week, and we'll see you this coming Sunday.